0: This episode of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live is brought to you in part by Viewfinders Identity Search and Design. Your choice for web design, graphic design, and all multimedia development needs. Visit VFISAD.com and let us bring your vision to reality.
1: This is Chris Battle, character designer of Team Titans Go, and you are listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. It's time. Talk time. And let's get it Talk time live. Anime comics boobies and games to so come on and let's get it Talk time live. Anime comics movies and games to so come on and let's get it Talk time live. <laughs>
0: Hello everybody and welcome back to the journal of my life that covers all things anime, comics, movies, and games. This is ACMG Presents Talk Time Live The Prime Show. I am your host, Xavier Josiah. Things have calmed down since the last time I talked on Select Start. Everything's at peace. And for those who haven't gotten a chance to listen to the Select Start podcast, uh, for all you non-gamers out there, I guess. I had a lot going on this week. Okay, I'll be brief with it because I explained it all on that day, but my entire ceiling collapsed in my office uh there was a lot going on my computers power supply just completely went dead at the same time so i had to go take that in luckily all that was taken care of like within a span of two days and i'm back and all this has been chill so we're here to talk all things anime comics movies and games and that's exactly what we're going to do as today i will review free guy ryan reynolds latest movie on our talk topic today uh we also got some other I'm going to say more thoughts than reviews. It won't be more in-depth, but we got to talk Titans season three. The first three episodes on HBO Max right now. We got to talk, you know, um, the first episode, the premiere episode of what if Marvel's what if on Disney plus, we also have to go into the land of Amazon video to talk about Evangelion 3.0 plus 1.01. And not, to, not even just that movie, but I'm going to just talk about, because I, I binged and watched all four movies, <laughs> okay? So everything leading up to this point now, and um, yeah, we got a lot to talk about on that point, plus some other news going on that you guys will be very interested in, especially if you're an anime fan. So let's not waste any time, folks. Let's find out what's new in the world of ACMG. And now, it's time to find out what's new in the world of of ACMG. Alright, so we're going to start with Marvel's What If. We got to because that has been possibly one of the most talked about shows of the week out of everything that I'm going to talk about today. And this was Marvel's latest Uh, Marvel Studios series based upon the new uh, phase four, you know, projects that they're working on. And we've they've knocked it out the park consistently. I mean, let's let's look at the list here. We got WandaVision. Awesome. Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Amazing. Loki. Mind blowing. And now the premiere of Marvel's What If, which is an animated take on the sagas that we've already seen and just flipping them off to see what would happen if something different appeared in that in those situations for those who are marvel comics fans or comic book fans they're very familiar with this um what if is based on a comic book series of the same name that kind of takes on a bit of a twilight zone amazing stories kind of you know for people of older generation outer limits type of you know view using the watcher as the narrator for this and showing us what would happen if some of our favorite stories were changed and something different happened. And they started off with Captain Carter, which is after watching this show, oh my goodness, I mean, just everybody's mind, I mean, just the trailer alone, we were amazed by seeing the trailer. It didn't do it justice. Watching the first episode of uh captain carter was outstanding okay uh for so many levels first of all the animation the character design and animation we don't get a real good glimpse from the trailer but once you're watching this actual show for those who familiar with like the classic traditional core disney style of animation you are very happy to see this because this is exactly what we got but it was just brought to a modern time the animation the the animation was on par with that of the old you know 50s and 60s uh animated movies that we used to watch and it just took you back if you were if you're a fan of disney back then it took you back to those times before pixar before all of these you know before 3d animation and everything it was like just beautifully animated uh you know movies and, and 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 pictures and everything they brought it back. They brought it back. It's somehow both 2D and 3D. It feels like it's hand drawn, but it really isn't. But the movements, the 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 timing and framework and everything, it's just, it's minute detail to that of the old Disney style of animation. It's what brought Disney to where we are now. And it was great to see that type of animation back. The facial expressions, all of that. I mean, just it was just gorgeous. And on top of that, it's reenacted by most of the actors from the movie who did a tremendous job doing this. And I got to say, I got to say this real quick because you know, somebody in our ACMG group, um, you know, and it's not just this person it's it's a, it's a bunch of people. Some of you may be listening here who don't understand that the, the, the terminology that they're using, when it comes to, in terms of you know acting and voice acting, people acting and voice acting is nothing more than just acting. If you were, to, I mean, now some some actors are okay with the differentiate uh, differentiation of it. Other actors and probably most actors would, especially those who are do who do voice roles, would much better be preferred as actors because at the end of the day are people performing a role, no matter whether they're live action or in animation form, because you got other, you got somebody like Haley Atwell, who has done shows, who has done you know live action shows, and in fact, her character in this very first episode is a character that she played in the live action one, so she is able to play it in anime uh, animation form. What is the difference? She's still the same actor doing the same role, just in anime animation form, but she's playing a role. So there's no difference in that. She's still probably also getting paid the same amount of money too. Okay. And you know, uh, you know, people who do voice roles sometimes get paid a lot. And sometimes they don't. I mean, it's no different than the actual live action industry. You just, you know, some people, you know, they, they get paid like Troy Baker is paid, you know, other people, the other actors I can name off and, and won't because I know them, <laughs> they're paid. I don't want to put them, put their business out there, but they're paid. So, but there is no difference. I mean, so realize that, you know, voice actors and actors are pretty much the same people. They're all actors. Some of them actually even go out and do live shows and theater shows and such like that. So, you know, just think about that aspect of it too so but this this show was so awesome going back to the show at least um this show was just amazing in so many ways so captain carter was the first episode and basically it is what would happen what if steve rogers never got the super soldier uh, serum and peggy did and how they put that together was so great it was just so beautiful so basically you know we know that we know the infamous scene from the first avenger where the guy with the lighter from hydra you know flicks it you know um you know igniting the bomb and in, in this case things change because you know the professor gets shot steve gets shot trying to protect um people and they're running out of time peggy goes upon herself to go in there because if they don't they lose the opportunity to get the super soldier um project going so she goes in and, and takes it because steve has already been shot he can't go in he, he it's, it's no way he could go in there so uh anthony stark or howard stark i should say actually you know puts it together and she becomes a super soldier and balked i mean really really bulk <laughs> oh, man it, it was awesome and you know of course because she's you know, a woman. They're not even having it. They're refusing to actually, um, you know, go along with it. Colonel Flynn, more than less anything, is the one that's really refusing to accept the idea that she's a super soldier and she can handle the situation. And of course, much like anything that we've seen from um, Peggy Carter, she had to prove him wrong. And that she, oh my goodness, that she did. So she went about it all. She went all the way. Howard Stark, of course, is supporting her. So, I mean, basically, if you watch the Agent Carter live action series that she was that she did the first two episodes or or seasons, I should say, she I mean, this is no different. You're seeing a piece of what we already seen. But now it's like, okay, Peggy Carter is now a, you know, has the powers of Captain America. This is pretty awesome. And Howard always supported her to no end so he made her the suit he made her the shield with the uh uk uh, flag on there and you know they just went there now we had a conversation about a week ago leading up to the premiere of this talking about why does she why is she called captain carter and not captain britain and that was still not answered we never got an answer as to why but i my theory for this is because she's working with the United States she's becoming a symbol not just for the United States but for everybody but she's still repping where she's from but showing that she is aligned with everybody like everybody who reads the comic books knows that there's a character famously known as Captain Britain from Excalibur and you know that just wasn't the case for some reason they just decided like you know And i kind of like the idea that she went with captain carter because she's her own woman she is who she is and the the symbol of her flag represents who she is and where she's from but she also is aligning herself with the u.s and you know helping out and and in banner so i dug what they did you know with that with that premise there i didn't mind that at all so and and captain carter is her own person and that was i think that was the, the idea that they were going with here so Again, we were uh, rewarded with so many great performances here and the returns of some uh, of some of our favorite actors reprising their roles. Again, Haley Atwell is Peggy Carter, you know. And by the way, you know, when when Agent Carter came out and people loved that show, I loved that show. And then when it got canceled, people were so heartbroken. You know how heartbroken people were? I remember going to Wizard World, Philadelphia Wizard World. I think it was uh maybe 2016 and it was the year that um Sebastian Stan and Anthony Mackie and Chris Evans came to um came, they both came all three of them I believe came to Philly to talk about, you know, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I mean, not Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um Captain America the Winter Soldier. And it was a great trust me it was a great panel loved it this panel was so awesome uh anthony mackie was hilarious there um but then Haley atwell was there too and she did a she did an agent carter deal and let me tell you i got pictures the line for her panel was so long and so many um so many women and girls were cosplaying As Peggy Carter, with the blue suit, red hat, and everything, it's a testament of how well, how much of an impact that character has made. That character, who you know up until this point did not have any powers, but she was just very empowering. And I love, I love the Peggy Carter character. I love Haley Atwell. I so love Haley Atwell. (laughs) And um, (laughs) yeah, it's a whole other story. But um, it's, it's just an amazing thing to see that they keep bringing her back, despite the fact that they, you know, they I guess they did hear the praises of the fans. I still would have wanted to see one more season of her show to see how she formed Hydra, and I do get that they did kind of bring some closure to it with Endgame. You know, it is what it is. I'll accept it. Third season would have at least it just giving them one more season of that show to see how um shield was formed would have been great. But um, this really, if 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 they wanted to get uh, keep people from thinking of uh Peggy Carter coming back in some form or fashion, they did it <laughs> because this this series now that everybody saw this series, they want everybody's asking for a Captain Carter series now. After watching this, it's it was just an amazing, amazing half hour, and thank God. Like I said, all I needed it to be is at least a half hour, and it was a half hour. Thank you for that, and it was an amazing half hour. But Haley Atwell did a great job. We also had. Here's the thing: there's gonna be a, there's gonna be a few actors that obviously won't be making it. Um, I believe uh, Robert Downey Jr. will not be reprising his role as Tony Stark. I believe, at, from what we discovered, Chris Evans. Uh, will not be playing the role of Steve Rogers. in In his place is actor Josh Keaton, who I believe has voiced a lot of really um, different roles. He has a, a huge resume as well. Dude, this this guy—you couldn't have told me you could have told me that was Chris Evans. This guy did a phenomenal job playing Chris Evan as Steve Rogers I thought he did so great and he he managed to tone it he had managed to match the tone of the voice so well and the mannerisms so greatly I thought he did tremendous here um you know despite that they found somebody who was able to, do, to, to voice him and he wasn't on there that much to a point that you would start to really think about it but he they used him wisely for scenes and everything that involved Steve and it was subtle. But when he did it, it just, it it felt like that was Chris Evan. And I thought he did a, you know, kudos to him and his talents right there for that. We also got the return of Staley Tucci as uh, Dr. Uh, Askin, Erskine, I should say, the person who created the super soldier. Dominic Cooper, also of Preacher fame, uh, comes back as Howard Stark. We got uh, Bradley Woodford as uh, Colonel Flynn returning. Uh, this version of Red Skull is played by Ross um Marken who played a really good job as well. He there's a lot of people who sounds like uh <laughs> the Red Skull now. So I mean they are they're pretty fine. And he's the same and he is the same one who played the Red Skull in Infinity War by the way too. So he was the replacement for that. Um Dum Dum Dugan, of course Neil McDonough comes D- Neil McDonough is down for whatever. <laughs> as long as he gets some air time, he is down for whatever and when he does, he does greedily in here. Um uh, of course, we get the one and only Sebastian Stan is playing Bucky Barnes. He doesn't have too many big roles in there, but the roles that he's in, it's awesome. And here we get um, Toby Jones back as Armin Zola as well. And of course, which the the host of the entire What If, which we're going to see in every episode, is Jeffrey Wright, who plays The Watcher. So overall, a fantastic uh, first episode here. Uh, go out of your way and check it out. And, and I love the way how they flipped it around to see, to show how um, Peggy ends up sacrificing herself and, and, and playing on some of the same, you know, Easter egg scenes that we've seen from the first Avenger and they, you know, managed to flip it around. It just very well written, extremely well animated. Just overall, I cannot wait to see the rest of the shows coming. And guess what, folks? Next week, this next week is gonna be very special. T'Challa as Star-Lord And even more I think there's going to be some tears For this one because T'Challa is reprised By the late, great Chadwick Boseman Who managed to um, Have the time to voice it You know, one of the things that he did Before his untimely death This is going to be a special heartwarming Episode for a lot of people I'm looking forward to it Wednesday can't come fast enough folks so oh goodness talk about heartbreak let's talk about titans season three the first three episodes wow Uh, okay um i love season two The, the deathstroke season was awesome the uh blackfire also introduction was awesome for that one and we're coming here and oh boy if you thought how they're going to top their uh, their first season. The three episodes already told you they're going to top the the second season. The third season of Titans is already starting off with a bang. They are. They released the first three episodes. I don't know how many episodes is going to be, but I I understand why they did the first three episodes, because it's just going to go blitz from here. So they did a great job. This show did a great job. Recreating pivotal moments based on Batman's most popular sagas here. I mean, it's basically right now focusing on the Red Hood saga. And for those who don't know or, you know, if you've been following comic book, you know, uh, animated shows and all the stuff by now, Red Hood is Jason Todd. So when you saw Jason Todd in season one and season two, you just know things were going to go to the deep end sooner or later. And they finally pulled the trigger. They, and they did it quickly, I might add, too. It wasn't so fast. It was to the point that it was like, okay, we don't know what happened, how to happen, whatever. But I think that they did is like, for most fans, they know the situation. It's kind of like the same thing what they did with um, Spider-Man. You know, when it, when, when Spider-Man Homecoming and, and the Far From Home and all this stuff came, they just decided to nix the origin story because we've seen the origin story so much so many times in so many different versions by now. Who doesn't know about the origin story? So, when they got to Civil War and then, you know, Homecoming, they decided, like, we'll mention it. We won't do the, with great power, it comes, you know, we've already did that. We'll leave hints of it, you know? Uh, it's implied, at best. So, I think they kind of did the same thing. They kind of just skimmed the idea of dragging this out to do something and just went with it. And they had Jason Todd, you know, find a Joker. Bruce is away on a plane going somewhere. And, you know, Jason tells him that he found a Joker. He narrowed it down to where he's at. He wants to go get him himself. He feels that he's ready to get him. Batman knows that he's not ready. He knows how, how much of an impulsive person that he is, but he keeps telling him, don't go. So what does Jason do? He not only goes, but he takes this chemical... You know, uh, I, some type of chemical, um, you know, whatever that he breathes into an inhaler, if you will, and it hypes him up. And I think this was something that happened that he was doing in in season two as well, because he he got into a situation where he damn near died in season two, and I I don't know if it was Lazarus related or not, or whatever, but um, he managed to take it, thinking that he was going to be able to handle the Joker using it unfortunately we saw what happened didn't happen and as a result joker got the crowbar and we got that pivotal scene that that, that iconic scene from one of batman's famous comic books um was it definite family or was it um i forgot what it i forgot the name of the um the book i think it is i think it was, was definite family Which then leads to Jason Todd later on becoming what he's becoming in this show, and that is Red Hood. So in this season, the Titans are, you know, well-known superheroes fighting alongside Gotham City Police and other, you know, cities as well. Um, The death of Jason Todd and the debut of Red Hood is the biggest focus of the first three episodes and possibly maybe the first half episode. Because we still got that situation involving Blackfire and Starfire as well that is coming with this season as well. Um, so this was an interesting thing because this, the first three episodes also focus on Bruce Wayne and his addiction to grooming kids to become Robin, which is kind of a really creepy thing When you really put, I mean, I, I like this perspective because all the people that, that worship Batman throughout the years, it's putting a new perspective in it. And now it's just kind of vilifying bruce wade in a sense and it's hard to argue this because if you see all the robins that he's had in the past they're all young kids they're all kids with situations and it's like he he this is the this is kind of predatorial (laughs) okay you know i hate people are gonna hate to hear this but what batman is doing is kind of predatorial in a sense you know it's not like he's getting grown-ups Working with them. He's finding kids and he's convincing kids and training these kids to become crime fighters, growing up really early and facing murderous criminals. How is that any different from a person who grooms kids, minors, for, you know, maybe sexual purposes? This is kind of on that edge here. And this is where. This is where, you know, Greg Berlanti Productions is going in the world of HBO Max with Bruce Wayne It's putting another perspective, another spin on it. It's like, yeah, he kind of is. He, he really got is, dude. It's like, uh, how do you how do you how do you deny this dude? <laughs> is this dude the R. Kelly of the DC universe now all of a sudden, you know, it, it's crazy. But you see this and you see his his predatorial patterns in here dick aka nightwing even discovers that bruce has a long list of kids that can be potential to become that are potential to becoming robin easily replacing dick i mean because if you watch the first season and especially during the season where they found uh when when jason first came in and he saved um dick it was like okay right dick still was rocking the robin suit then all of a sudden, Jason Todd comes in and they're talking about the, the time span of this was only like two to three weeks after he left Robin. And then this this Jason Todd comes in as already the new Robin. That's crazy. <laughs> OK, so like the, the crazy part is like, does Bruce even care about, you know, these kids? Because all he's doing is like once one goes or once one dies or whatever, he's ready to replace them with somebody else not even taking time to grieve not even taking time to care he's just okay this product is out let's get the new one and let's open up the new box and get the new one it's so, hey, like these these kids these young impressionable kids are nothing more than just products to him that's that's bad that is really really bad we really dig about it um bruce tells <laughs> it's even crazier because when he when you know They're having this argument, and Dick is trying to, you know, explain to him like how sick he is, and you know, with all this, and how much he's like becoming a sociopath towards all this. Bruce's response is even creepier because he looks at Dick and asks him, "Does he want to be Robin again?" And he does it not in a—it was such a frail, desperate way, and it was like he admits to robin like he admits to dick that he can't do this alone he can't he's getting older he's getting more frail he's becoming a little bit more um needy or dependent now on the idea of this so it feels like bruce is going to retire but he wants dick to become a better batman than he was don't do them don't make the same mistakes that he did and that's going to be basically the theme of this all while also trying to find Jason Todd and figure out how the hell he's still alive after all the things that he went through, so um, it did mention Rajal Gold in here as a, as a means of him coming back too. So I don't know to what end they're gonna work on Rajal Gold coming into the uh, Titan series. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. But um, killing the the other big thing is um, I, I almost went to almost skipped ahead, but Barbara Gordon also debuts as the new commissioner because her father you know caught you know uh, Jim Gordon apparently got a heart attack after I think that was the I think don't get me wrong <laughs> I think that was the reason why she ended up taking over and such but she is now on a wheelchair uh, while in the uh, while also rocking only one leg now we all know that the Joker also got her you know with a bullet which paralyzed her and then she became Oracle. The whole one leg thing is, that's a whole new thing. I don't, I hope we get the story on, uh, I'm pretty sure we'll get the story on that. Like, yeah, what happened with that? What did Joker really do? And we know that odds are, of course, if you've read the comics or know of the comic uh, story of, of Barbara Gordon, she, you know, she becomes Oracle, but mostly in the comics and in an animated series, she has both her legs in this whole thing. So... That's going to be an interesting thing but she's working alongside the titans as well but after a while she is also she is also not feeling working with the titans because of they're they're not following up they're not be able to do what you know batman is able to do and she doesn't have confidence in, in in uh nightwing in the process of all this so it's going to be a back and forth thing because what it is it looks like is the passing of the torch where you got jim gordon Passing the torch over to Barbara, and then Bruce passing over the torch to Dick Grayson. So now these two have to learn how to work with each other the same way that Batman and and uh, Jim Gordon work together, and they need to find their their rhythm to that. So there's that. And then we got the situation with Hawk and Dove. Hank kind of retired being Hawk, and ended up becoming like just a normal beat cop, and he sees you know. He sees basically Dove still, you know, working with the Titans. And they come across each other and they have this understanding like, you know, you do your thing, I do my thing, because they're no longer together. And lo and behold, Hank comes back and kind of invades the space of Dove. And this doesn't turn well for Hank. And it, for those who didn't see the DC fandom event of last year, where they had to, or they had to panel for this, and they announced that like there's going to be a lot of heartbreak in this episode, in this season, and somebody, you know, it's going to be a tearful thing. And when they said that, I looked at the list of all the people that's on the show, and I just knew it. Damn sure wasn't Connor. Damn sure isn't Nightwing. It damn sure isn't Starfire. It damn sure is not going to be Beast Boy. I'll be very surprised if it's Beast Boy. But if anything, the beast boy would be it it damn sure hell no is not gonna be raven and leaves hawk or dove and in some cases i felt like hawk was gonna be the one and i say that because hawk is the hothead of the bunch in every single comic book or anime story there is always a hothead in the bunch you got hawk you got joe the condor from battle of the planets aka gotcha man you got Raphael from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and what do those three have in common? They are all hot-headed characters that always get themselves into a situation because they want to be lone wolves. And here we go. We got Hank who decides to uh he he gets lured in pretty much. Uh he Jason lures uh Hank into the trap where he is taken uh, out Hank and then gets a bomb implanted in his chest. Beast Boy and Connor try their best to defuse this bomb. Dove and Hank, during this whole entire thing, begin to make amends. So there's a little bit closure to this. You know, Dove shows that she still has love for him, you know, AKA Mika Kelly, you know, played by Mika Kelly, still has love for Hank. And they have a few good intimate moments, but he can't raise his heart rate up because if he raises his heart rate up, boom. So that's a whole thing. Um, Hank and uh, Nightwing find, I'm um, sorry, Dove and Nightwing find Red uh, Hood only to fail at stopping the bomb after Jason tricks Dove by uh, putting the detonator on the trigger of the gun she uh, took from him as he encourages her to shoot him to save Hank. But in fact, he tricked her. He pretty much pulled a Joker move on her. So she pulls, she pulls the trigger, tries to kill him, no bullets come out, she tell He tells her, oh, my bad. That's not a gun. That's actually the trigger to the bomb, making her the one who killed Hank. Uh, Hank. She pulls the, she pulled the trigger, in which set off the bomb, blowing up Hank and the... Uh, I think it was Wayne Manor that they were in, if I remember correctly. And Crypto was in with him. The bomb exploded. And while this was happening, before the bomb exploded, Connor and Beast Boy were seconds away from saving Hank because they figured out how to defuse the bomb. But even Connor's super speed wasn't enough. And it was too late. And unfortunately Hank died. The explosion occurred uh, killing Hank, but also leaving Crypto alive because Crypto is a Kryptonian-blooded dog that had that can, is impervious to fire, hair, and all. Those first three episodes were wild and we still got a whole bunch of episodes left to go okay this season is going to be awesome i'm i'm re-watching i was re-watching the first season i'm about to re-watch the second season but i had to skip over the third again i'm going to re-watch the second season with the deathstroke season again and didn't re-watch those two episodes Dude, if y'all not watching titans at this point and finding a way to watch titans especially um if you own hbo max what are you waiting for this show this is greg Berlanti. i think this may be one of greg berlanti's best series out of everything that he's done even in Arrowverse because he's able to do things you know he's on HBO Max so the kick gloves are off. He can do things that he can't normally do on a primetime nationally syndicated you know television. As great as those um, as great as those shows are on the CW, imagine if they were able to say or do things that they can't normally do. And 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 be as violent as they can be. This show does it. This show absolutely does it uh, for me. So go anyway, check it out. First three episodes are available now. You know what else is available? And I, I've been talking about this for weeks, saying I was going to do this. I'm going to watch Neon Genesis Evangelion again on Netflix. I'm going to watch it again. Never get a chance to. Damn it. I still have it. But in its place. Amazon Video has the rights to release and own Or acquire i should say not own um to acquire the evangelion movies and they not only just that but they released the brand new 3.0 uh plus 1.01 in there and let me tell you man there's a lot of reasons why i have been so happy with them uh showing this and it's it's called um Evangelion 3.1 3.0 plus 1.01 Thrice upon a time. So they have believe it or not for those who don't know Amazon Prime has all four Evangelion movies on there now that you can watch as a part of the Prime series and the Prime video original is the latest one it, they just came out it just aired on August 13th. Let me tell you and shout out to um Jeffrey Chamba Cruz, because he kind of reminded me that this was coming out. So the fourth installment was just made. It was amazing. It is basically all four movies are a rebuild of Evangelion. And when I say rebuild, basically, it's a I don't want to say reboot. I really don't want to say reboot, but this is a retelling because for me to say reboot means that they're totally dismissing the original series, which I still think it is the greatest of all time. But they made these movies to you know revisit everything that was done. However, there were some changes here. There were some major major changes to this um to the series, the focus of this movie, of this particular movie as well as um the rest of them. It started off where it was like all the same. But after a while, you started noticing that there were changes and there were changes actually in the, um, in the narrative. There were characters that were added that weren't in the original and they went a whole nother direction because the focus this time wasn't on, um, per se Shinji or Ray or Asuka, if you will, it was more or less, it started to go to the direction of Gendo Ikari and, I was okay with this. You know what, just, just pretty much, I, I would consider this not canon. I will consider this a what if. That's to me, it, it, I, I I refuse to believe that this is a canon. Um, this is no different. This is like another version because it, it, there were other shows before this, like Tenchi Moyu, who had like a OVA series that kind of was different from the original TV series. So they had, you know, one like that. You got Sailor Moon. Who just had the Crystal series? Kind of did the same thing, where the the ser- the original um, canon series of the animated series goes to a different realm according to the to that series, and then also what was the other one um, aside from this? Okay. Oh, Full Metal Alchemist. You have Full Metal Alchemist, and then you have Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, which more focused on their father. In, in there as the main guy this is kind of going the same route where it's like um they just went a whole nother direction with this and it wasn't a bad direction I I wasn't a bad direction the most important part about this whole entire thing is who's playing who and with kudos to Amazon video and Amazon for not making the stupid move that Netflix did instead They got back Spike Spencer, who is the original voice of Shinji Ikari. They got Amanda Wyn Lee, uh, who I believe actually, no, they got a different voice for Ray, which is not a bad thing because Ray's voice can be replaced and I believe there's a her voice can be like you can't Shinji's voice is is very, very distinct uh, and iconic to this nature. So Spike Spencer had to come back for this. Um, they also got Allison Keith back as Misato uh, Kusaragi. Um, I don't know if um, John Sway was the original Gendo Ikari, but how hard is it to play a prick? <laughs> I didn't necessarily mind him playing you know, playing that role, and he still came off like a prick on air as well. But they had other new characters as well. This uh, Akagi uh, Risuki was kind of this was one that was kind of a throw off to me in a sense like she was a great character but she didn't really add too much to the this this contrast of a saga to me because she didn't well whenever they had a, a character like if they had um if they had like uh and by the way mary favor played this character and she played it really well i i luck she was kind of a sexy sultry flirt uh, flirtatious type of character like a kind of a, a girl in glasses you know who's very well endowed and she knows it and she just you know just played to her she played to her strings uh with that actually no that's not uh i'm fr- i'm sorry that's not uh akagi uh it's uh ritsuragi i forgot the name of the character the new character that they have in here but Um, wait, I'll find it. I'll find it. But this new character that they had in here, she, um, she pretty much played to this idea that she wanted to be a a new pilot to the actual, uh, let me see. Where is she? I'm trying to find her. They're not making it easy for me to find her. Is it? Yeah, here we go. Marie, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, Marie Makanami. That's the newest character of this bunch um, in here. And also um, Midori uh, Kitakami is also a new character in here too, but this uh, who played by uh, Denine M- uh, Melody. I love this character to an extent, but she was kind of your everyday cookie cutter, badass character that you always see on every anime. Because this is Neon uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion, I, I I want every character to have a backstory, and Marie didn't have too much of a backstory, and they didn't focus on her character. Because when you got Oscar Ray and Shinji as the main focus of the original, the idea was to go into their backstories to really understand the the psychological aspect of what was going on in their head, and you know from a kids from a from a kids. Um, you know, perspective. And we kind of got that this time around, but it was kind of shortened. It was condensed, if you will. Um, We didn't get to see it as much as we did in the original series, especially Asuka. We didn't get to see Asuka's background and what she was going to, not until the fourth installment happened. Ray, we did kind of see it, and they finally revealed that she is a clone of... You know um all these other rays and basically the the a a a redesign of his wife of gendo's wife which is why he really is so much love you know loving to her more than she is more than he is to uh Shinzi. so we do kind of get that understanding and we also know that why Gendo is doing everything he's doing now. And I, that was something that we didn't get in the original series because they didn't really focus on they just focused on the fact that Gendo was a heartless man that just wanted his son to fly this plane and that's all he, that mattered to him and to save this whole entire thing. It, well, in this movie, no. Gendo's not Gendo, Gendo's antics his, his plans is to not only Yeah, if Shinji do this, but this was all a setup for him to gain the power of the Nebuchadnezzar, you know, so it makes him even a bigger prick. But then in all of this, we do get to see and find out why Gendo is the way he is, why he's doing everything that he's doing. What led him to becoming this? What led him to be more so resentful and distant from Shinji? And there is some closure at the end. So with that, I am okay with it. But when you got the character, Marie, um, the Rami, uh, I'm sorry, the Marie uh, Makinami character here, she really brings nothing to the table other than, okay, she loves uh, you know piloting the Avas. She can really handle the Avas. She has a thing, she has a relationship or thing with, with asuka awesome great but what about her background what is going on in her head What is that was the key thing about evangelion is that you have all these characters that had some type of baggage in there and as cool as she was i felt like she didn't she didn't add anything to it except and if she she was she is attracted to shinji as well she like she loves asuka but she also is attracted to shinji as well so she's you know going both both roads but the ending i thought was awesome and here and spoiler alert if you haven't seen this yet uh i, I don't i wouldn't want to spoil it but let's just say things go into the favor of people that you wanted to go into favor and then also they're also you know because this movie just came out i don't want to spoil it for anybody but there's going to be some really surprisingly heartbreaking things that happened to some characters in this show. It is, in this movie, it is just, I, I, you know, overall, if like, if I can, I would say, if I separate this from the original, this was a really good movie. This was a, all of them, all of them are really good movies, re, you you know, kind of revisiting what we had, but didn't just kind of go in a different direction with it. And I thought it was great, but if I had to pick if I, if I had to choose one, oh, and by the way, before I even go there, the animation I thought was outstanding because the animation art style, it looked exactly like what you saw in the original series but just brought into a more HD era. You know, we had shows like the Sailor Moon series the first two seasons of sailor moon series where people were kind of iffy on we had the first couple seasons of dragon ball super which people were iffy on because the the character design wasn't to standards of what they were used to but by the tournament of power series and season three of sailor moon crystal people were really digging a lot of what they were doing from that point and then the movies too also were awesome for sailor moon um but this one here man From start to finish, from every single one that we had, it looked exactly like the deal. And by the way, the one thing that they didn't answer for me and I didn't get an answer about is how the hell did Shinji wake up 14 years later? Everybody's older. Everybody is, you know, evolved in somewhat way. And there's some things that happens in between, you know, the, the movie, the last few movies or whatnot and think this is when this is when they go a whole new different direction because the original series ended like when they were still all of the same team you know young age but by the episode by the last episode i believe episode 13 which was a very important episode and that was that was the episode why i cherish the original series so much is because the last episode had a great message about how about how to value yourself and it this is what I'm afraid of when I, if I watched the Netflix or when I watched the Netflix series again, is that not only did they change the voices, but they may have changed the ADR script as well. And I thought the original series with the original actors were a masterpiece. And when you, when something is considered a masterpiece, that means you don't touch it. You don't go and touch the Mona Lisa. You don't change that smile. You don't go to Michelangelo's David change you know any aspect of that those are masterpieces you don't there's nothing needed to be changed i hate the fact of these studios taking these actors and doing what they have done and if all right granted if it was bad if there was anything bad about what was you know the performances or whatever that i understand all right change it there was nothing wrong with neon genesis evangelion i don't understand why they couldn't use the original actors Uh, It's uh, Spike Spencer and uh, and Amanda Lee um, Win Lee and you know um, Allison Keith. They were pivotal characters to this series, and I think the idea too. And we talked about this when I interviewed um, when I had um, Amanda C. Miller on the show, and we talked about that briefly. Is because she thought that you know people are going to be scared of the idea of Netflix. You know, uh of people who are watching the movies on Netflix is gonna, you know, you know, damn it. I'm like, no, like they did with Neon Genesis like, and I had to tell her, no, they damn people damned Neon Genesis Evangelion because they weren't they weren't told that their beloved show and series was gonna have all these changes to it. Had they said that, I think it would have been a little bit easier to handle, but just tossing it to us and making us feel like this a steak when it obviously is liver that's when you that's when you know people are gonna get pissed rightfully so because if I want if I want a, a sirloin steak or ribeye steak and you're tossing me something that's obviously liver and it's not as good nowhere near as taste uh, good tasting as the original or what I asked for you're gonna be upset why not? These studios need to really, really think about the decisions that they make and learn how to really, you know, go about it. Cause I think they could have had a much more damage control. At least if they would have said new actors, do something like that, it wouldn't have been as bad. I think people would have still fought and been upset that the original cast wasn't on there because they did play such a, and I kind of role. And trust me, when I heard this movie and I immediately, I immediately knew even not without looking at IMDb, I immediately knew that these voices are the original voices from this. It just it, it 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 read off the air so easily. It 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 really fit the air so easily. Just hearing his voice, and the minute he said, "I must have run away. I must have run away," and I was like, "Oh, that's them. <laughs> that is them." I you know I really hope. I don't know to what end. Netflix has the rights to these um, series. It's one thing that you can't that you're not gonna be you're not gonna want to pay for Fly Me to the Moon. Okay, great, because I'm pretty sure the Sinatra camp is probably charging a whole lot for to, for them to use that version. But to not use you know the original cast, that's just that's so raw. And I hate the way they do this to certain um, people. You know, you hear it all the time. I've forgotten in interviews. As a matter of fact, the um, the Bleach Q and A, where Michelle Ruff. And I, uh, when we talk about how Michelle Ruff didn't, you know, voice the, uh, the role of her character on, um, of Rukia on the live action movie that, uh, that came out from WB Japan and Netflix brought acquired, but they got Hime and they got, um, they got, uh, Stephanie Shea and they got, um, you know, Johnny M back, Bosh back into the, you know, series. It doesn't make sense. So I hate when it. The idea that these studios kind of treat some actors like they're throwaways, it's kind of demeaning. And I hope, especially now that we're seeing such a rise in the in anime, they need to change this. They really need to change this. And uh speaking of rise in anime, we'll talk about that in a minute because my final thing that I'm gonna talk about is huge. But um let's talk, let's flip the script real quick. Oh, before that, I forgot to mention. If I had to pick between Evangelion, the movies, and Evangelion, the TV series, they're both awesome. They both were awesome to look at. But if I had to tell somebody which one should I watch, it's hard. Because there's a dilemma to this. I can say watch the, I'm going to say the original, the original series, but I'm going to say it as the original series with the original cast. I'm still not ready to say the, this recent Netflix version yet, but the original film, the original series, the 13 episodes, I believe, it focuses on, you know, Shinji, Asuka, and Rey's, you know, deal. You know, Rey being able to find out, you know, find out how to live a life that she's never lived before, or, or live life, because she was just born out of a tube. Asuka, with her situations in her background, Shinji with his wanting to be accepted by his father, his constant need for acceptance, you know, and feel like nobody cares about him and avoidance and such like that, you know, it hit a heart. It hit hard for me because I watched this as a teen. I felt like Shinji when I was a teen and this is one of the, just one of the other ingredients that helped me become me because by that last episode, that last episode put everything into perspective and it was very helpful to myself and so many other people during that time. So in hindsight, I would have to say the original series is the more important series. This one kind of brings closure in the sense that we finally get to see what is going on with Gendo Ikari. So I liked it for what it was, but nothing beats the original series. Just nothing, and shout out to the soundtrack of this new movie too, uh, the latest movie as well. I thought that was awesome. So, it's on Amazon Video. All of it is on Amazon Video. All four installments of the movie is available to watch on Amazon. Go out of your way and check it out. It's just absolutely breathtaking. at At, at the end of the day, um, let's get into some other news here. Uh, Powerpuff Girls, the live action series. We talked about this before. Um, you know, Greg Berlanti is putting his hands on this classic. Part 2 Network series and bringing a live-action aspect to it, which was supposed to star Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Actri- actress Chloe Bennett. Now reports are saying Chloe Bennett is off the cast of the live-action Powerpuff Girls series entitled, Actually Powerpuff. No info on why she uh, decided to leave the role as of yet. As of right now, Dove Cameron and Yand, uh Perut are still uh casted as playing bubbles and buttercup and there has been reports that uh this show has been you know going through a lot of rocky moments even the ceo uh and chairman of cw mark uh pedowitz called the pilot a miss that's that's really saying something uh so greg berlanti and them have their hands on it we'll see what happens see how far this goes from here i know a lot of people who aren't really feeling the idea of a live-action Powerpuff Girls show because of the nature of the show. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see. But, you know, they made Riverdale a hit. They made Sabrina a hit. They made Nancy Drew a hit. I can't... And, and of course, the Arrowverse stuff. I can't never, ever, ever doubt greg berlanti in this case he hasn't given me a reason to doubt him yet i'm not going to doubt it and of course i didn't know this but he did free guy he was his hands is in free guy as well the whole production is in is 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 with free uh free So i didn't even know that but we'll talk about that in our talk topic of the week two more bits of news um what else i got to say about this idris alba recently bloodsport on um on the suicide squad one of the best D- DC movies of all time, in my opinion. Is now going to play the role of Knuckles in the Sonic the Hedgehog sequel. There is no other news about this. There's none needed. <laughs> Idris Alba is going to play this role. That's one of the most unexpected things I've anybody's heard all week. It's just shocker that he's going to be in this. So, I- indeed, this is stepping up the excitement of... Uh, this sequel i love the first movie you guys know i do i reviewed the first movie and enjoyed it immensely okay this one is just going to be just as good i believe all this all the actors and you know from the first one is going to be there uh including jim carrey reprising his role as dr eggman there's nobody else is going to be able to take it once he takes a role there's no way nobody's going to be able to fill that role He makes that role his own. You can't imitate Jim Carrey. That's the one guy you can never imitate. Like you got a guy who was able to, you know, impersonate Chris Evans voice. You can't do Jim Carrey. His recipe, he has the Colonel's recipe for comedy and you can't find out what it is. It's just, it's, it's just, it's, it's salt, pepper, and a little bit of Jerry Lewis, and then a whole bunch of other ingredients from there. You can't do it. <laughs> it's the best you're going to, as far as you're going to go. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about this. Idris Alba uh, as Knuckles. I think that's going to be awesome. That means he's probably going to be somewhat of a badass and not a knucklehead um, character like he like we've seen him before in other projects or whatever. So I'm all for it. Oh, I, I can't wait. All right, let's get to the last bit of news of what's new in the world of uh, ACMG. This is huge. If you haven't heard already. There's always been an ongoing battle between Funimation and Crunchyroll, and, you know, with anime fans. It's the same type of argument that goes along the way with people who love dubbed anime and the actors involved versus those who love the original Japanese anime, which I call the anime uppity community. These are people who are pretentiously claiming that they love the subs better because they like the original dialogue. Despite the fact, I can guarantee you 99, 0.9% of these anime uppity community of uh, uh, sub fans can't read or translate a lick of Japanese without the subtitle, so they don't like the original deal. They like reading, <laughs> okay? Because they here's the thing. And remember, I had a I had a guest uh, who went by the name of Tokyo Rose a while back. We had this talk about whether she thought. And by the way, she's from Japan, so we had this talk about whether she felt that the Japanese, you know, performances in Japan are as good, if not better than that of the American cast. She actually prefers a lot of the American cast better. She, she speaks both Japanese and English. So she felt that there are some performances in Japan that are actually not as good Okay, so if you're a fan, if you're a fan from America who claims that you like you know the subs better because you like to hear the original Japanese dialogue, that's fine. But to say that it's better or you like it because it's better is borderline pretentious. Because you don't know a look of Japanese, you don't know how well the performances are, you just know that you like hearing a bunch of screaming and hollering. And Without the words, you wouldn't know anything. Without the, without the subtitling, you wouldn't, in the translations, you wouldn't know anything. So how would you even know? If you take the subtitle away, what, what do you have now? How do you determine whether it's good or not? Okay. And then we have the American dub, which I feel, as a person who watched it from, since since the 90s. Watching sub and dub from the nineties and watching the dub acting, uh, you know, in ADR, you know, writing from back in the late 80s into the 90s. Hell, even back then in the 80s with Battle of the Planets and Star Blazers and all that, it has gotten so much better. They have treated the genre with so much respect and the cu- and, and and the culture with so much more respect than they ever did. And now they have ADR writers and translators. It, you know, which they never had before way back then, it has changed dramatically since those times. This battle is over. Why? Because Sony and Funimation have finally acquired Crunchyroll, as it will merge their library into Funimation's already huge library, as is. Okay, this is huge in so many levels. For all those anime uppity folks who swore down that subs over dubs, uh, you know, were, were better than dubs, can finally rest their case as this debate is over. Funimation was known as the rival of Crunchyroll for those who don't know, and uh, was a contrast to them in terms of their selection of dub and sub anime. Funimation always provided both sub anime and dub anime, and and by the way, remember all the weeks on the show that I kept I kept saying something's up something's happening something's wrong because they are not coming they're not bringing out these dub episodes as much as possible and they're coming in with all these sub um you know uh you know shows and just and just sub only and chris Sabbath's, you know studios haven't been as quickly to distribute these you know produce shows as much i knew something was up and this was it so boom on boom on me for my instincts um but I digress. Crunchyroll, on the other hand, was always known to have a variety of different anime that Funimation didn't have that provided subtitle shows only with the original Japanese cast. So, to me, to me, I always said that Funimation provided better and more. It gave you your choice of subtitle anime and dub anime. Whereas crunchyroll provided shows that wasn't on funimation at all and it was to me it was better uh to me funimation was better in this case but i also always did want to watch certain shows that crunchyroll had i just i'm not a person i'm like make the stallion you know? i you know i in, in this in the terms of uh, multitasking at best at least <laughs> where i'm working on something else but i want to watch my my anime so i want to be able to um you know listen at least and enjoy some of the performances uh, and did I hear so here's the deal this is uh, the idea being of being able to afford and buy out crunchyroll for a whopping 1.2 billion dollars tells us a lot one the value of anime is worth billions for those and I had this conversation a while back for those who claim that anime wasn't mainstream and it wasn't of value, $1.2 billion. Think about that. Second, the Funimation net worth was so big that they were able to buy out their competitors, which means that the consumer base prefers an anime streaming network that gives you all options or that the American anime community mostly like dub actors more than vocal minority uh, more than the vocal minority likes to admit seriously if anime fans truly favored subs over dubs then theoretically crunchyroll would have been the victors in this competition but it's not funimation won, regardless of their act uh, regardless of Sony owning it doesn't matter even that to that respect Oni did Sony didn't want to buy crunchyroll they wanted to buy funimation they bought funimation animation works with them. They got a net worth that has grown. The voice actors, especially the ones that has been on this show, the ones that I've interviewed on, you know, on, on, um, what is that? On, uh, the repop metaverse. They're very popular, uh, actors. They're very popular celebrities to the anime community. Every one of them, they have a huge fan base. This discussion is over. Case closed, where's my gabble? You know, just bang it, <laughs> it's done. So whenever somebody gets into that conversation, the biggest defense that you can now have against those who favor subs more is that if that is the case, why did Crunchyroll get bought over by Funimation? There may be a form of con- confirmation bias to this by some fans, on, on social media because there's a lot of people who like, who wants to deny that whole entire situation regardless of the evidence proven, but you have your evidence. Funimation brought Crunchyroll. Enough said. Ladies and gentlemen, that will do it for what's new in the world of ACMG. We're gonna take a break, come back, and I will review Free Guy, Brian Reynolds' latest, actually, really, really interesting uh, movie about video games and the video game industry and all sorts of things and the hidden guest appearances within it. We'll talk about all of that right after this. Ladies and gentlemen this is Dax Xavier Josiah the host of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live the podcast. You want to catch up with all of our podcast shows and hear from some of the hottest names in all of anime comics, movies, and games such as
1: This is Miley in the voice of Naruto This is Stephanie Shea, the voice of Sailor Moon. This is Ruben Langdon, voice of Ken Masters and Dante from Devil May Cry. Hey there, this is Kyle Abair, the voice of Ryu from Street Fighter V. This is Chris Battle, character designer of Teen Titans Go!
0: Here's your chance to check out all of that and more on TalkTimeLive.com. TalkTimeLive.com provides all of our ACMG content with new and previous episodes, exclusive interviews, articles, and much more. Visit talktimelive.com and let us help you learn to let go, live life, and love all things, ACMG. Talk time live.
1: This is Charlotte Chung and Fred Tatasore. And you're listening to ACMG presents Talk, Talk Time, time live.
0: live. Do it. And now, it's time for our top topic of the week. Ready?
1: Fight!
0: Folks, we are back with our talk topic of the week, and it is my review of Ryan Reynolds' latest, craziest movie, Free Guy. And I did get a chance to go out into theaters to go see it, and I, I did, it wasn't disappointing. And my, the, my theater experience wasn't as disappointing as previous theater experiences either. Um, this, But I will say that I'm really, really concerned with the theater scene right now, because even pre-COVID, when i was going to early matinees it some movies would fill up regardless of whatever movie it was it up. even my last even the last time when i went to go see snake eyes there wasn't that many people there was not that many people at all there's still a bunch of people who are scarce about being in theaters i don't know if it's because of uh, they're not vaccinated or they would have to wear masks or whatever like that but it's becoming a scarce thing and i'm starting to get worried like in fact here's the thing would I have watched this if I was at home? Yes, because it is a better environment. You have better control of things going on. And I, I will give you a big example of this. Here's one of the other benefits that I now can add to my list of reasons why I would probably watch a new movie at home is that I don't have to sit through 15 to 20 minutes of commercial commercials and trailers leading up to the movie. I was I felt like I was in there like forever. Now, first of all, I will say, that i did go like wake up five in the morning yesterday to go bike riding and i rode like for sixty miles so maybe i'm i was a little bit tired but it felt like those trailers and those commercials were going on forever like my movie was supposed to start around twelve ten, and normally trailers don't last that long but it was with it it was a huge amount of commercial ads for like coke and all these other things as well and it just kept dragging and dragging and dragging and dragging and the movie finally came around like 12 30 so that was yeah roughly about like 20 10 15 20 minutes leading up to the movie that was way too many trailers and commercials for me to be watching for anybody to be watching if I'm at home, if I watch it on Disney Plus or HBO Max, skip all of that. We go directly into the movie. That's a benefit. They need to work on taking toning down the amount of trailers that or just show trailers and not the commercial ass because that was just that was overkill. And then we got now we got like an hour and 55 minutes of a movie to watch at that. So like you are god, it it's it was a lot. And so i will add that to the list of reasons why i'd rather watch it at home especially during this pandemic time if i'm going to come out to a movie theater and i got a mask up and all this stuff make my experience somewhat great now when shang chi comes out i'll probably be at a different theater hopefully i will um uh, my wife and i will be at um movie tavern for this be the first movie tavern that we'll be able to go to hopefully we'll be able to go there to see this and I'm hoping the experience will still be a lot better than what we have here and I I don't know to what end and what changes movie tavern has to make to make things more accommodating because they're a little bit different they're more of a restaurant theater you know uh establishment but we'll see it'll be interesting to check that out when it comes but for now we have my cinemark theater here and eh, it does what it does so let's talk about the story of this movie Ryan Reynolds plays an NPC, you know, it's me, which means non-playable character, named Guy, who somehow is able to break free of the algorithm of the game, of the open world game known as Free World. Guy seeks, a, seeks to find a player who he falls in love with, and it turns out to be a woman named Millie. Uh, turns out Millie, a uh, player named Molotov Girl, is a developer that uh is suing the uh, the owner of a game creator uh named anton antony well <laughs> played by uh take watiti who is known for the as directing uh and acting in thor uh ragnarok and coming soon love and thunder as well uh he is a game creator working for this company who owns the company and they believe that he stole her intellectual property hers and this other character named keys the two work together to find the proof needed to fight uh the fight find out the uh that he actually stole the game and and that he profited off of the game by creating his company off of their ideas and such and their concepts so what they also didn't realize is that guy is and has become an artificial intelligence that's able to evolve and learn which is what there, and he, all of his characteristics consist of the algorithm that Millie has created. So there lies some of the proof that he has to, and you know, they're going through all these, you know, these challenges to find out and everything for sure. So this, this movie, it started off a bit slow for me, but as it gotten, as, as we progressed through the story, I became more interested in and more actually empathetic about what was going on you know not only just from my own personal experience of you know concepts and ideas being taken and stolen and being used for something else because i had that happen to me as well um but from some of the developers that i've had on the show and talk about some of their experiences with companies they've worked for and which led to them working independently and becoming indie uh developers and award-winning indie developers on their own so it's, it, it got to me, it, it, it was much better. And there was a lot of main focuses here. I mean, game companies only thinking about money more than the art of the game development, which is something that I talk about all the time on the select start podcast it is something that burns me to no end. It's like, you know, it's, it's becoming too much of a money grabbing industry than it is about creating beautiful gaming and great gaming experiences, you know, stealing ideas from other you know you know other developers and such that's not that's something that actually happens a lot of what they focused on in this movie really does happen in the industry and that's that's saying a lot i i feel like that they Put a, a shed of light on us on certain things that happens and it's really interesting um game developers not being happy with their work environment you know we saw that ahead games meaning more th- for the experience more than a quick, quick uh cash grab and those were some of the elemental things that i felt that was really really telling about this movie and, and it brought, um, brought to light i thought it was really cool and they made it, it and by the way I, like i said before i was really surprised And not so surprised when I saw that Greg Berlanti's productions and Greg Berlanti had his fingers and hands in, in, in this pot that was free guy, because I began to enjoy it immensely. And by the end, when I saw the credits, I'm like, oh God, I'm not, here we go. I'm not surprised. So what also made this movie so entertaining is the cameo appearances by people we didn't know it was going to be in this movie. I will start off with both Hugh Jackman and Dwayne Johnson, who you, when you, they they weren't visually seen, but you heard the voices, because one, Hugh Jackman played, uh, what did he play in here? Hugh Jackman actually played, uh, was he a bank robber or was he? No, he played a masked player in in the alleyway scene. Uh, so I thought that was funny because you re- you recognize his voice Im- immediately, and because. A lot of people, a lot of fans of Channing uh, of um, Ryan Reynolds know that Hugh Jackman and him are really good friends. So, you know, that also you recognize Dwayne Johnson's voice uh, as he plays the bank robber in here and you recognize him on the spot. And of course, those two are good friends and they work together many times before, especially in the Hobbs and Shaw movie. So it was great to have him back to be on his movie as well. But I think one of the biggest cameo appearances in here out of the blue was none other than chris evans uh captain america himself makes an appearance after we see guy at near the end he's he's fighting this this character that looks like him it's like a beefed up you know uh incomplete developed character named dude uh who they just all of a sudden who uh anthony all of a sudden just wanted to put in to stop guy and Guy puts on the glasses that allows him to see the world in a different way and and as a a player, and he's able to bring up a shield. The shield just happens to be Captain America's shield. And then all of a sudden they cut to a clip because everybody around the world is watching to see, you know, the blue guy, which he becomes a famously known, you know, uh, character in the game that everybody is, you know, is going viral around the world. So everybody's watching it to see him, you know, get to this area that he needs to get to to prove the evidence that Millie needs to prove that Anthony has been taken up. they taking their concepts. He generates the shield, which happens to be Captain America's shield. And then they pull onto a clip of Chris Evans watching on his phone. And he's like, what the?" Sh-? <laughs> and I thought it was funny because not only did they show the shield, but they also played the Avengers theme music. And then on top of that, he turns his hand into the Incredible Hawk's hand, punching dude, uh, you know, far and wide. So they got the rights to use for a few seconds the Avengers theme music, Captain America's shield in the Hawk's hand. I thought this was awesome. I thought this was fantastic because I don't believe this is a anything related to Marvel or Disney at all and for them to be able to do that and I guess this also has a lot to do with Chris with um Ryan Reynolds you know working alongside with Marvel because he's now going to be Deadpool in the Marvel Cinematic Universe okay there we go so I like this I like the whole thing it was one of the best parts of the scene I thought it was hilarious it was so awesome that it just came out of it just it was one of those things that came out of nowhere it was a definite WTF reaction <laughs> from from the audience and to Chris Evans seeing it as well, so I thought that was awesome. Tina Fey also makes an appearance because you know there's a scene where Channing Tatum's character, who plays Channing Tatum, plays an avatar character that this guy who doesn't look anything like Channing Tatum in the real world plays, but his mom keeps interrupting him while he's trying to talk and sound all badass and everything. The mom is actually played by Tina Fey so i thought that was pretty cool as well you also get to see a lot of other familiar faces in the gaming community as well um streamers like ninja uh Pokemon, laser beam uh uh jack Sp- uh jack spitty i i can't even pronounce his name and this these crazy names and uh dan T- tdm you know all these famous guys are uh, from the game industry on air we also see an appearance for ign in this game as well so ign's Kind of uh sprinkled alongside in here you know to bring some legitimacy to the gaming aspect of as well but one of the most heartwarming scenes that we get to see in this and remember this this series this show this movie was also delayed like you know black widow wasn't the only movie that was late this movie was supposed to come out in 2020. so seeing the late great legendary game show host Of jeopardy alex trebek playing himself in a sequence where uh free city is one of the categories in the in jeopardy it was heartwarming because this was before he passed away and so in hindsight he was supposed to possibly have seen this movie before he passed away but he got a chance to be in this movie no unbeknownst to any of us that it would be probably the last thing last role that we see him in any movie because he's played cameo appearances on tv shows and movies before many times so for over the years this may have been his last appearance playing himself in a movie and it was really heartwarming to see that he was in here because a lot of people were heartbroken um, that we didn't get to see you know that we lost him in 2020 as well and it was just great to see him there um laura spencer from good morning america was in here also to bring some legitimacy of you know, this whole thing as well and good morning america makes their appearance as well so like you know honestly this movie came out started from good to great because the very theme of this whole entire movie was just to bring about the understanding of how the industry works i mean it was a little bit it was cartoony in 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 in, in, in all essence but it was still a really really good movie at the end and the writing was different i love the way that they were able to um it was something very different how they were bring you know this open world feel into this whole thing uh i i really love it it was it reminded me of um movies like Ready player one in a sense but it really brought a real world aspect to it of how the in- gaming industry somewhat works and how some things unethically happens. And when I when I thought about this 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 uh, industry that Anthony owns, I forgot it was called, I forgot it was called um, I forgot the name of the company that it was, but it was really clever. And he was really good. Uh, Takei Watiti was really funny in this movie. Um, really, you know, we know him. We know him as a director, and he does play a role in his own movie in his in his movie. Um, but you sometimes he plays Korg in, in Thor Ragnarok, but you always forget how really good he is <laughs> and how entertaining and funny he is. Uh, oh, by the way, John uh, Kranziski from from uh, Office and in, in the um, what is the show that he plays on now on Amazon? He's uh he plays on the Quiet Place and Quiet Place Two, and uh, he's Jim on the Office and all that stuff. He was in this as well. And tom clancy's uh jack ryan that's what he plays in so he was he played uh the vo- uh, voice of a player as well in here so there's a lot of great cameo appearances too i really like the idea and, and, and the little chemistry that um he's had in here too and by the way i can't i would be remiss if i didn't mention little rel in this movie because he's playing guy's best friend and he's the security guard in the bank and he's talking about him being in love all the time and I, Little Rel in this was so great. And I love the the camaraderie and friendship between him and Ryan Reynolds character, a guy and everything. And I love how of he was he wasn't a side character. He wasn't just a side character. He's a beloved character as well. And I loved at the end when he helped guy, um, you know, get to the road and, and, and you know, sacrificing himself and saying that, you know, we matter, too, in this world and make sure to, you know, to make sure to let them know that we matter. And then you see this in real world, the security guard in the building of the game uh, company that uh, Anthony owns. He's like, that dude is a hero. <laughs> it was hilarious. So, yeah, little Rel gets a lot of credit because he I thought his energy, his comedic energy that he brings to this fits so well into this movie as well uh the the actor uh i'm gonna butcher his name too uh at kirsch Amboot uh and boot and bud who plays mauser here i thought he was great too uh joe carey who plays keys and it's kind of the love interest of millie played by um uh, played by jody calmer was also great everybody in here was just a really well placed you know um characters in here all of them did great in this uh, i really enjoyed this it wasn't the best thing i've seen in the world but it was innovative it was creative uh and it told a really well good story i don't know to what end. i don't know if this is ever going to get a sequel it could possibly open up for a sequel in here but uh it, you know what also this was like a live action Wreck-It ralph that that's what it felt like to me it was a little bit more of an adult oriented wreck it ralph in here and i thought they did really well this possibly could open up for a sequel and if it does i will be more than welcome to it uh because the idea at the end of the day is like to cherish gaming for its creativity i felt like they really pointed out that aspect too you know because you had millie and keys that created this really great game and it was so great that somebody like anthony wanted to take it and make it in his own but wouldn't give the credit for it and he just was all about making money versus them that just wanted to create a game that people love and enjoyed and i think those were some of the things that i talk about on my select start series a lot and interview all these people about you know that i feel creates that same philosophy is that the experience in creating a great game experience matters more than making money and you make money based on creating such a great experience Instead of trying to make a game that, like, I, you know, as much as I love this game, I do discredit it for always trying to make more money out of it. And that's, you know, Marvel's, you know, Marvel's Avengers. I love the game, but I hate the fact that they're always trying to find more ways to get money out of you. Just enjoy the game for what it is. Go ahead and make more games. You know, Street Fighter, uh, for Street Fighter V, also Dragon Ball Xenoverse. Uh, that's another game is it it started off as like all great games but then you got these companies that are just trying to always take money from you and try to just drain you instead of just worrying about making new games and even funnier was that the 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 guy you know um anthony was actually was actually claiming that he was going to make a sequel to uh free world and in fact he was not, he, and that wasn't his focus. That wasn't his main focus. So it this company kind of reminded me of, you know, companies like EA, because <laughs> EA has been notoriously known for doing, you know, for making, um, you know, decisions like that. 2K Games also has been known to do things like that. And I've always hated When they do stuff like that, I I really hated seeing unethical type of situations like that. And, you know, to that to that credit, I love that they're putting a light on that. So kudos to this movie for doing that. And I think they did something that other game based movies like this didn't do. So it wasn't like I said, it wasn't the best movie I've seen and it didn't it 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 started off a little bit slow paced at the beginning but by the end i really enjoyed it and i really got into it and it i loved the way that it ended it and and how everything did and especially when it came to keys and millie finally figuring out that you know keys had a thing for her and he created guy with the algorithm that was based around everything that she liked and everything that she was into And and she finally figured it out. So I thought that was it it made for a great comedy. It made for a great love story as well. And it made for a great telling of things that are going on in the game industry. So I think, you know, by the end of it, I really enjoyed it all. And they got it all. They put it all together really well. So if I'm going to grade this, I am going to give this a absolute solid B. It's a great movie to check out a fun movie. If you're a gamer, you're just a lot of things to like about this movie. And there's a lot of things to understand about what's going on in the game industry as well um if you like ryan reynolds this is another great fun ryan reynolds movie to see if in terms of ryan reynolds movie i still like deadpool way better of course and then also to top it off um detective pikachu if i had to pick between this and De- De- detective pikachu detective pikachu by far <laughs> but this was also just another great you know, way of saying you know, why, why we love Ryan Reynolds, and another reason why anything that Greg Berlanti puts, you know, his hands in turns to gold. So go right away and check it out. If you don't go see it in the theaters, it'll probably be out within a month span because all these movies that are in theaters are now immediately coming out within a month span, which is the fastest I've ever seen. And a lot of that st- uh, you know, stems from the current, you know, climate of you know the pandemic right now. So go anyway, this is a very rentable game, uh movie and dare I say this is DVD worthy as well. I would I would love to see the behind the scenes of all this, you know, stuff as well. So go anyway, check it out. It is a worthy movie. Folks, that will do it. For this edition of Talk Time Live, I hope you enjoy this as well as you enjoy every other episode of Talk Time Live or Talk Time Live Extra or talk to live exclusive which by the way this week marvel avengers i just spoke about it in in a very negative sense but it is a great game and it's going to be better because the black panther expansion comes out this week this tuesday war of wakanda is set to be probably one of the biggest and best expansions that they had in some time so i'm looking forward to playing it. i'm actually just started replaying the game as of right now so most likely that will be the main review for this week i also got in the following week a two new two other games to uh, to, uh you review dodgeball academia and uh which is the other one um blaster master zero three and we'll get around to reviewing that as well um Next week, I don't know what the hell I'm going to review next week. We'll see. It might be uh what if we might have to talk about that, that, um, black, pa- well, in a the theme, you know what, in the theme of black Panther, cause I'm guaranteed going to be doing black Panther or Wakanda reviewing that this week on select start. So why not make it a Wakanda theme week? This is going to be Wakanda week. That's just it. We're going to the talk topic will be that, uh, will be pretty much, uh, episode two of uh what if so why not what the hell so that's that's what it's going to be so stay tuned for that if you want to check out any of our shows any of our previous episodes you can there are many ways to do so one i would always go to talktimelive.com you can always find a lot of great content on on the official website for talktime live and acmg presents talktime live all of our episodes will be on there you can listen and to any of those episodes there are our podcast episodes as well as our talk time live exclusive episodes which you can go on our search engine and type in ttl exclusive you type that in or you type in the specific name of the actual show that you want on there or you want to listen to uh, guests like R- Ruben Langdon, Jeffrey Thorne that we just had on the show, for, uh, who's writing the current uh, issues of uh, Green Lantern right now. Um, Amanda C. Miller. I mean, just name it. We're on. There. And in fact, speaking of talk time, I'm exclusive. Stay tuned this week because Udon Entertainment artist now Marvel Comics artist Jeffrey Champa Cruz is coming back on the show to talk about his latest uh his latest series i should say for marvel comics entitled tech on avengers you don't want to miss it if you're a manga fan if you're a fan of avengers and if you're a fan of uh jeffrey chamba cruz and why not because he's an awesome artist and if you read the first issue of tech on avengers it is awesome he is coming back on the show to talk about that and much much more so stay tuned for all of that i am looking very much forward to uh talking about uh that with him as well so we got that going on and much much more so go on to talktomlive.com. you can check that out you can also check out going to the exclusive videos to check out interviews that I've already had. He will be on video. So stay tuned because I will have him on the show, both video and audio for that as well. Uh, So stay tuned for that. You can also check out our media page, which has all of the Repop Metaverse panels that I did. Well, not all of them, but most of the recent ones that I did. You'll have um, also the clips of the ones I did prior to and some other stuff as well. We also have the blog page on TalkTomLive.com, which has the recent uh, blog entry I had with uh, Ryaki Philly. For those who are in the Jersey and Philadelphia area, there's a new ramen spot that you definitely wanna check out, especially if you're an anime fan. We also have a bunch of Talk Time Live unbox uh, entries that I have of some products that you may wanna look out for, for especially if you're a Nintendo Switch fan as well. There's some definite things from there, some figures. I got a new figure that I'm gonna be um, Coming out soon. So, sometime this week, expect a new entry coming from there and some uh retro replay rundown of some games. I got to do more than that, but you know, they're coming. So, stay tuned. But, talktimelive.com is your absolute for all things ACMG presents Talk Time Live. So, you go out of your way to check it out. But if you are looking to subscribe and download, this show on your favorite podcast platforms, you could do so on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, TuneIn, Pocket Cast, Pandora, and of course, our good folks in Tumblr. So all of you guys out there, anywhere, everywhere you can find this show. That will do it, folks, for me. On behalf of myself, this is Dax Xavier Josiah saying learn to let go, live life, and love all things anime, comics, movies, and games. This is ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. I am out of here. Take care and have a great week.